And we are back with another episode of How About Them Celtics. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, November 10th, uh, the night after, or the day after, I guess, the Detroit Pistons game. Celtics won. Celtics now on a four-game win streak. I believe the last time uh, we did a podcast was after the Knicks game, right? We haven't talked since the Grizzlies game. Or did we record after the Grizzlies game? Um, I, No, I we did not. We, we haven't had a show since Sunday. Gotcha. All right. So um, do we want to go into chronological order then? as per usual yeah that's fine all right we'll start with grizzlies then uh all good things uh for the most part these past two games celtics almost blew the lead and the grizzlies ended up winning uh by three points i believe 109 106 um tried their hardest to blow it with four missed free throws in a row down the stretch but to, uh got the win jason tatum guarded uh john morant well um joe Missoula has switched up the starting lineup to grant williams but some thoughts from the Grizzlies game before we get into that. I thought that was such a great showing. Uh, obviously, Marcus had his best performance of the season. Of course. He was everywhere, came out, scored 10 points in the first quarter, had three assists right away, finished the game with, I think, 12 assists. And he was just so comfortable out there, passing the ball around, making tough passes. It was like he was just out there having fun. He really wasn't struggling. And over this stretch of three games, he's been excellent. And we'll get into last night a little further. But 33 assists or 34 assists, something like that, and only four turnovers. He's really finding his footing. This is a really big stretch in terms of how you should feel about his season. Because leading up to the Knicks game, you really hadn't seen anything super special to Marcus Smart, especially after he had a really solid season last season, led the team to the playoffs. Uh, as the point guard to the finals and really was pretty consistent for him. Did not have a lot of games where he was just chucking, did not have a lot of games where he was turning the ball over a lot to start this season. We saw him shooting a low percentage, felt like he was chucking a bit, playing a little bit too aggressive at times. He's really found his stride against New York, against Memphis, and now against Detroit. I'm really excited to see how he's going to continue to play going forward. Big game Friday against Denver. It's a real game, real competition. So we'll see. But as as far as Monday goes, that might be my biggest takeaway. I, I don't really think anything jumped off the page to me. Tatum was fine. I mean, he was excellent. But yeah, excellent is the new fine for Tatum, who's making an MVP <laughs> case for himself. So uh, we can leave it at Marcus. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart looks like Obviously, last year he was a good point guard. He was the starting point guard on a finals team. Um, but this year kind of looks like, at least over the past few games, he's taking that jump into elite point guard status, right? He's not going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, an all-star because he doesn't get the scoring touches. Um, but he looks like the point guard uh, that a lot of people, I think, were envisioning last year when Ime Udoka named him the starting point guard. Like, when you think of a point guard, you think of, you know, dishing out a ton of assists, uh, play pa- pass first guy. Um, and while Marcus did that to an extent last year, I think he's expanded upon the role. Like right now, there are only four players averaging seven assists and less than two turnovers. Marcus Smart is one of them, and the others are Mike Conley, Fred Van Vliet, and Chris Paul. Like a- as much as you want to clown on the Mike Conley thing, like all three have been all-stars. All three are top-notch point guards, at least in their prime. Fred Van Vliet's won a title. You know, uh, Chris Paul has been heralded as one of the best point guards ever. Um <clears throat> 
Marcus Smart has put himself in elite company. He's not turning the ball over. He's not making a ton of stupid mistakes. I mean, every once in a while, you'll see that sort of behind the back thing. I think it was against the Grizzlies where he just tries to find a pass and it's just clearly not there. Um, and that happens. And if you want to nitpick uh, and just focus on those mistakes, then I mean, more power to you. I guess your, your mind is never going to be convinced on Marcus, but <clears throat> this three game stretch from him is kind of the role. I think a lot of people have wanted to see out of Marcus Smart when they think of a point guard. Which it's been great to see, and it's opened up a lot for Jason Tatum. It's opened up a lot for Jalen Brown, um, the shooters, Sam Hauser, Derek White, uh, Grant Williams. This is the reason he is still a starter, and Malcolm Brogdon hasn't taken that role from him, which I think a lot of people were maybe pushing for when he struggled out the gates. But yeah, Marcus Smart's been phenomenal over the last three games. You can't really ask for much more than him. And uh, <clears throat> three point shots, not exactly there. Um, they're, they're, it's hot and cold, I suppose, but he's never going to be a great three point shooter. If he hovers around 30%, I'll be grateful. Um, but where he is actually excelling, I'm sure you've noticed this too. He bangs down low. Marcus Martin, the post is yeah. a bucket most of the time, which is great. This has always been a thing though. He's always been reliable to get you some points out of the yeah. post. He's bigger than most guards. He's strong. Obviously we always talk about how he can guard all the positions, but he can obviously bang down low. Like you said, Jack, and He's money on the turnarounds. Doesn't feel like he misses a lot of shots down there. So sure. it's definitely a good option to have late in the game where traditionally before the season, the Celtics had struggled in clutch games this season much better. I believe they're five and two, if I'm not mistaken, uh, could be, you know, obviously not Marcus, but you know, Tatum has been really great in the fourth quarter, especially you want to pinpoint a game. Look at the Knicks game. He was super confident, took over, to me, that was one of the best fourth quarters he's played in a really long time to where I believed every shot he was going to take was going to be a good one and it would drop. And his ability this season to get to the line, Tatum, has set him apart from most players in the league. He is really a superstar now. He is a player that you can rely on to get your team the win. I've definitely felt differently about that in the past. There have been examples of him leading the team to a win. Look at game six against the box last season. But in terms of like doing it consistently and being reliable and the shots that he's getting being good shots rather than tough fallaways or tough sidestep threes that he's able to make, he's shooting nine free throws a game. I'm muted. You did for a sec. You you, you cut out for like half a second. It was not bad at all, though. Hit the wire. This is unbelievable with the mic. (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it's much easier to watch. He's getting to the free throw line and he's in the top five. The last time I checked mm-hmm. of free throw attempts per game, elite company, Luca, Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Giannis is who he's behind. So, <laughs> yeah, very elite company. Uh, Sam hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's MB, not Trey Young, but Trey Young is up there. Um, Tatum's getting the line 8.7 times a game making 87.5 of those, which if you want to see it above 90, I understand, but 87 and a half is a good percentage. Uh, As far as the clutch so far this year, the Celtics in the clutch are five and two, like you said, Sam, Um, they've been great in those games. Jason Tatum averaging, (coughs) excuse me, uh, I believe four points a game, 53% shooting from the field, 40% from three uh, and a rebound. Marcus Smart, um, averaging 1.6 points, 50% shooting from the field. He's taking 0.3 threes a game, which is half the amount, you know, not a lot at all. Um, <laughs> so he's playing really well um, and averaging 0.6 assists, which uh, doesn't sound like a lot in the clutch, but it's the team high on the Celtics. So he's dishing the ball out well. But the, the real thing that matters with uh, with this is five and two in the clutch. Last year, the Celtics, who were the two seed in the Eastern Conference, 
Um, and went to the NBA Finals. They were 13 and 22 in the clutch. They were the second worst team in the clutch in the entire league. The only team that was worse than them was the Indiana Pacers. And this year, they're already five and two. You hear Marcus Smart talking about how um, the reason we're playing so well is how we're responding, how we're playing down the stretch. Uh, and that couldn't be more true. The, the Celtics have learned how to win this year. Uh, and that kind of, it, it sounded like a funny quote when Missoula said it, because, you know, how do you have to learn how to win? This is what he means. They're they're winning the close games, and it might not always be pretty. Obviously, you want the Celtics to stomp on the necks of their opponents. Um, but I'd rather this than what we saw last year. So credit where it's due. They're doing a lot better job of finishing out games this year, which is it's very nice after a lot of stressful endings last season. Enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm the king <laughs> of like not believing in the team down the stretch. That's why I'll bet against them when uh hard to blame big. you. Hard to blame you after I last. didn't do it yesterday. Because the Pistons were just playing so bad, wow. I, had, I had no reason to do yeah. it. I was like, yeah, they were just real bad. And I, I was wrong about them before the season. Not to say that they can't turn it around, but so they, far, they, were, they have not been great. Not I mean, been great. Just, let's just jump to the Pistons game. The Pistons were terrible. They yeah. looked so bad. And the Celtics get some credit because I thought the defense looked pretty good. They were defending well. The offense obviously looked clean. But the Pistons were just missing easy looks. And the Celtics got killed on the offensive glass in the first quarter uh, and the second quarter. I meant first half. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had a bunch of dumb turnovers in in the first half as well. Um, Pistons just couldn't make shots. At one point, I think they were shooting like 16% from the field. And that was like eight minutes into the game. Like it it was it was really, really bad. Um, But the Celtics, you know, again, credit where it's due. They played well. Uh, Final score of that game. I mean, just look it up because i forget off the top of my head <clears throat> something like yeah 128 112 um they killed them and by the end of the game it seemed like they should be winning than way more than that too so they, they, it was a closer game than it should have been throughout but the celtics turned it on in the end and uh big big, big win for them um against the pistons in the sense of points not in the sense of it was impressive because it's again pistons were bad but uh, i was they got the winner impressed game. and i'll really? tell you why i was impressed because they never really took their foot off the gas with the exception of like right after the half. Yeah. I believe Detroit got it to four, but after that, they really they never close. let up. They continue to pour it on. You had Grant Williams complaining about fouls down 20 or up 20 <laughs> points at the end of the game. Um, everybody yeah. really played well. Hauser was great, which we can get into Tatum again. Great Brown also at 30 points. The two of them, Marcus smart with 10 assists. Even Al Horford was really good. I think he was like six of six from the field made all of his obviously being six for six he made all of his shots sam but he looked good in the paint <laughs> like he was making hook shots that we haven't seen him really make consistently he was making good moves to the basket the last couple games he's really been good at getting to the basket he's he's shying away from the only shooting threes deal because defenses are starting to say hey he's only shooting threes and he's taking advantage of it I tweeted this out. Yeah, he looks like he's 27. He's like, and you saw it in the Pistons game. He ran the floor. Do you see him sprint in transition and get an easy bucket? Like, yeah, Al nice looks, yeah, he looks real good. And he's, whenever he gets a smaller guy on him, he kind of reverts to that uh, uh, right side of the basket hook shot around the defender. And it's been money. So uh, credit to Al Horford. He hasn't been shooting the three as well this year. So maybe that's why he's turning away. But um, the Celtics, I guess, don't really need him to be as much of a shooter this year anymore because they have so many other shooters. So. Um, I agree. Horford looks great this year. Uh, it's, it's nice to see. Let me ask you this though, Sam, we'll just get right into it because it's been the story over the past few days and we just had a TikTok go, I don't want to say viral. I had like 
over 1700 views, which is good for our TikTok. If you're not following, follow us on TikTok at How About Them Seas. But <clears throat> the fourth leading scorer on the Celtics per 36 minutes is Sam Hauser. Yeah, that's like not <laughs> surprising. I mean, he's yeah, this crazy. season, the guy has not averaged that many minutes. What is it? Maybe like 12, 13, maybe up to 15. It's up a little bit. It's 14-6 right now. 14-6, yeah. I know against Detroit, he played like 28 minutes, something close to that. Like he actually played like 32. a real rotation. Yeah. He, he played like an actual bulk of minutes and scored 24 points. The Celtics have won four games in a row at the time of us recording this. Over that stretch, Sam Hauser has taken about three more shots per game than he has on average this season. He's also up like five points scoring. His usage rate, I don't know what the percentage is, but those stats will tell you it's up. They're giving him more opportunity. He's thriving. He's still shooting over 50% from three, and the team is winning. That's an extra scoring punch you have off the bench to go with Brogdon that's going to be able to get you probably at least 10 points a game if you give him enough shots. He's reliable. Joe Mazzulli yesterday, I know this has been going all around Twitter, they were like, hey, how come you're running all these sets for him and you're giving him all these <laughs> shots? And he said, well, he's not missing. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's true. He really, like every time he shoots the ball, I've said it on here. Jack, you've said it. You think it's going in. Mm-hmm. He airballed yesterday. I mean, don't count on that ever again. I think he got fouled. I think he got there's no shot Sam Hauser airballed. We, we can review the tape. Um, well, but I, I don't well, believe that he get airballed. That sucks for like <laughs> listening people. Yeah, the audio, but. but. I'm I'm sorry if you're getting if you're missing a shot that bad because you're getting fouled you shouldn't be taking it it was in that shot was not a the guy closed out recklessly shot it was a he was really covered well and put it up anyway I I wish officials would use that here we are we're talking about a positive thing and here I am complaining about the three point foul shots um or foul calls but it's a problem to me but back to Hauser truly. <laughs> A fantastic signing by Brad Stevens. He is under contract for three seasons. He will only be getting paid mm-hmm. $5 million. Unfortunate for him. Fortunate for the Celtics. He's going to well, get a bag after this no, contract he is. is up. Yeah. And rightfully so. It's not for three one. years. So <laughs> hopefully the Celtics are the one to give it to him too, because they really haven't had a knockdown shooter like this. Um, Grant Williams last year. Yes, but I'm talking just a pure knockdown shooter. Like, and you know I love Grant Williams. Sam Hauser is a better shooter than Grant Williams. Like he's the best shooter the Celtics have had. Is it is it egregious of me to say Sam Hauser is the best shooter the Celtics have had since Ray Allen? Is that egregious? Is that ridiculous of me to say? Uh <laughs> like pure shooter. Think. I'm trying because like when it comes out of my mouth, that sounds absolutely ridiculous, and it sounds like I should be cast away from covering the Celtics. But like realistically speaking, when was the last time the Celtics had a shooter this good outside of Ray Allen? Right? Yeah, like, I really Adam, don't know. sure, but he's not like a shooter shooter. Like <clears throat> I'm talking pure shooter. Pritchard two years ago, I guess, if you want to count, but like I'd take this Hauser over that Pritchard. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I don't think it's, he's gonna it, shoot 50% question, of the season. Though, in, in all seriousness, like it sounds ridiculous when you compare the two names, but I went to the game last Friday with Timmy G Banner Banter podcast. We've had him on before, you know. Legend. Him. And he's a great guy. Obviously, he's he's close with Jack and I. He'll take us with him to games, and he's very friendly with us. But we were talking at the game, and he says – he really opened my eyes with this. He said, if Sam Hauser's out on the floor, 
Yeah. He needs to be the first or second option to score because that's really what you have him out there for is to shoot. And we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, you're really right. And it, he's such a good shooter that if this was like 10 years ago, he would be a star player by himself. He could be an all-star solely because of how valuable a shooter like that would have been. Ray Allen was a star player because he was such a great shooter. He could do other things too. He obviously had much more to his game than that. But just look at like a Clay Thompson and, and how valuable he's been to the Warriors from being a knockdown shooter. He doesn't really dribble. He had that massive game where he only dribbled like 11 times. He had like, what, 60 points? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. dribbled 11 times. He had 37 points in a quarter. Yeah. He, he like, dribbled like 11 times. Ridiculous. There are significant roles for players like Sam Hauser that can shoot at such mm-hmm. a high clip. It's just that everyone can shoot now that it kind of gets swept under the rug. It's just like, okay, well, this is what he's supposed to do. He's off the bench. That's his only job is to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's not really enough good things you can say about Hauser. Sam Hauser actually technically airballed two uh, threes the other night. <laughs> one was end of the shot clock, heavily contested, probably got blocked. Uh, and the one I think you're thinking of was at the very end of the game. Corey Joseph just got a good contest off and he missed. I mean, Sam Hauser was hot at that point. It is what it is. <clears throat> but um, circling all the way back to what you were talking about over the last four games, Celtics are four and zero. Sam Hauser is playing 20.5 minutes a night, just over 20 minutes, averaging 13 and a half points, shooting 6.5 threes a game and shooting almost 54% from three. He has been absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, <clears throat> arguably third, fourth best player on the Celtics, right? Like, like, and, and it's crazy to think about that because on paper, he's probably, what, the eighth best player on the Celtics? Like, he's way down there, but he has been a top scoring option. He's their fourth leading scorer over this win streak. Malcolm Brogdon just edges him out by half a point. Um, he's playing, let's see, he's playing the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth most minutes and is averaging the fourth amount of points. Like, he has been ridiculous, and and it's... It's weird for me to talk about it like the Ray Allen thing, like out of my mouth. That sounded ridiculous, right? Um, but over the years, like ever since we've hosted this podcast, you and I have been begging for the Celtics just to have like just go to shooters. Like <laughs> we were talking about Duncan Robinson this summer, saying like, oh, maybe they'll fit him into the TPE um, and he can play the role. Sam Hauser is playing the role Duncan Robinson would have for the Celtics had they traded for him. Um, and he's playing pretty good defense too. Like we keep talking about it. Sam Hauser's playing good defense. Um, and last night against the Pistons, um, he was cutting to the basket well too. Like he got found on a couple yeah, cuts, like an easy looks. At least four points in the paint. Might have more than that. They forgot about him. Like I tweeted out, how did how did the Pistons forget to get Sam, uh, forget about Sam Hauser on like three possessions in a row? Uh, especially when one of them was a pull up three from uh, behind the line. But um, <clears throat> over those four games, Sam Hauser's usage rate uh, is at seventeen percent. Um, over the last four games for the Celtics. That ranks one, two, three, four, five, six on the team, but Pritchard and Griffin are above him on that list, and that's because they've been in garbage time. The only regular rotational minutes players with a higher usage rate than Sam Hauser over the Celtics' last four games, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, and then it's Sam Hauser at 17%. He has a higher usage rate than Marcus Smart, higher than Derek White, higher than Al Horford, higher than Grant Williams. He's doing everything. He's, he's yeah, The guy's a star. Amazing. He's, he's a star. He's elite. He, it is, it's he's crazy. so good at shooting that he can literally do nothing else and be good enough to be on the floor. He's shooting over 50% from three. He's like fifth, sixth in the league, maybe in three point percentage. This is unheard yeah. of. 
It's also crazy that there's like five guys ahead of him around the yeah. league. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you right now. I'll check the uh, <clears throat> three point leaders based on basketball reference because they um, they eliminate the the non qualifiers. He is sixth in yeah. three point percentage right now with forty five threes. Um, only one player above him has taken more threes, and that's Contavious Caldwell Pope, who is shooting fifty four point three percent. He's made he shot one more and made one more. So. KCP is 25 for 46. Hauser is 24 for 45, right? So it's 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 pretty even. Other players above him include Josh Green, who's taken 17 and made 10. Kelly Olenek, who's taken 37, made 21. You don't want Nabe's taken 22, made 12. Uh, Brandon Ingram has taken 24 and made uh, 13, but he's only played in seven of New Orleans games so far because of injury. Yeah, Sam Hauser's great. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people saying the Celtics should start him. Start him over Grant Williams. Start him over Derek White. Uh, put him next to Smart, Jason Tate, Brown, and Al Horford. I actually don't hate it. Um, <laughs> I don't hate the idea. I think he's meshed really well with the starters. Uh, I think uh, – let's, let's talk about this <clears throat> in tandem with that. Grant Williams has been starting the last two games, and I understand it. Um, and I, uh, Joe Mazzullo talked about it. I think a big part of it was Grant Williams' defense because you saw him guard Ja Morant a lot in that Grizzlies game. You saw him guard Cade Cunningham a lot in the Pistons game. Uh, and someone tweeted this out too. And I can, you can only assume he's going to guard Jokic for a good amount tomorrow too uh, as the Joker. Are you excited? Batman. I, I'm going to be there. I'm very excited. I'll be there too. Uh, but... Tim by himself for the pregame. Do, if you listen <laughs> to guy. this and you listen to the pregame, do not expect a pregame. I'll, I'll give you a, a 30% chance there'll be a pregame. I couldn't do it against the Pistons. It couldn't be there um, on the stream because there were people right next to me and uh, up on the ninth floor. But we'll see if I get no. Did you spot. enjoy the stream yesterday, Jack? It was fun. I, I tried to catch most of it. I was kind of I enjoyed bouncing it. around a little bit. But I liked having fun. you in the comments trying to troll. And then I was just I was just treating you like a dick. I was like, oh, he's too big for us now. <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, I was bouncing around trying to get set up. Um. Yeah, Grant Williams in the starting lineup, I think, has been good on defense. But we, you've said this a bunch of times. He, he just doesn't play the same on offense nope. when he's in the starting lineup. He didn't take a shot against the Grizzlies. Um, and even against the Pistons, he seemed hesitant. Like, I, I remember I tweeted out a bunch of times. Like, he got called for a travel once. I forget which game it was in. Um, and I said this was just the ref's message to just shoot the ball. Like, like stop pump faking, Grant. Like, I, I understand you can do, off, do stuff off the dribble, and I think it's very useful. But sometimes you just got to shoot. Like he he looks weirdly hesitant to to shoot the ball lately, and I don't like it. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason I don't want Hauser in the starting lineup because if if you're a player like Grant, see, Williams I don't think it'd be Hauser, the same though. It might not be the same, but if you're a player like them, and you're a role player, and really the only thing you do is shoot, it's a little different. But Grant kind of does everything, so yes. he thinks to himself, "I'm on the floor with Jason Tatum. I'm on the floor with Jalen Brown." I shouldn't be taking as many shots because the shots should go to them, which is a fair way to think, but it's also tough to think like that if you're in the NBA. However, that's one of the reasons I don't want Sam Howes to start, not because he'll think like that, but because the the plays, the sets, they won't go to him. It'll be wasteful to have him out there with the starters. I think it's more important to have him come in off the bench so okay. when you lose Jason Tatum creating for other guys or you lose Jalen Brown's scoring punch, you bring in Hauser with Brogdon, who, uh, by the way, looked to have a nice chemistry throughout the early parts of this season, to play and score for yeah. your bench. You're getting massive amounts of production from your bench. You don't want to screw with that. I think it makes the most sense to start Derek White because he really isn't giving you scoring regardless, and if he does, he's driving mm -hmm. to the basket. 
and create he's able to dish he, he has vision enough to dish so he's able to feed the stars off a drive brown tatum even al horford if he's out on the th- even marcus i mean any of them they can all shoot we all know they can do it some you have more faith in than others mm-hmm. it makes the most sense for white for me i don't hate that he comes off the bench but it it just makes it tougher on grant and I think you get less out of Grant, and I don't think it makes sense to start Hauser. You're just it, you're just kind of wasting him away out there. I understand that, and that that makes sense. Um, I like having the extra scoring when one of the Jays is off the floor because, like you said earlier, he he really needs to be a top two scoring option when he is on the court. <clears throat> and I I understand the value of the Grant Williams in the starting lineup because he is more versatile, I would say, than Derek White on defense. That's not a knock on Derek White. It's just Grant's bigger, um, <clears throat> and he is quick enough to guard the guards. Um, which I, I do want to look at his stats against Morant and, and Cade here in a sec, but um, I don't know. It, it, it's weird for me because I think both starting lineups are good. I think Derek White in the starting lineup is oddly enough, probably a little bit better for your offense um, just because he can't handle the ball. He can shoot still. Um, but I think Grant Williams provides more on defense. Um, and I, I have a stat here and it's a very nitpicky one since we haven't really played a bunch, but of lineups who have played at least five minutes together so far this season, of which there are, I, I don't know how many there are. There's not a lot um, of, oh, this is, says exactly five minutes, but uh, of lineups that have played exactly five minutes, at least five minutes, um, one of the best is Hauser with the starting group. The offensive rating is off the charts. It's been phenomenal. The defense isn't there, um, but Hauser's name. What is, is the sample size? How many close. total minutes? Five minutes at least played together. So they've played five minutes, which again, I know it's not a lot, but considering this, have they played five over, minutes or have they played at least five minutes? All of these teams that I'm looking at, they are second of lineups on the Celtics who have played at least five minutes together. So, how many total minutes does the lineup play? Does it say, or is it all they you have know played is five played minutes? It. They have played exactly it. five minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, like I said, the sample size is small, but they've been amazing on offense and it's not hard to imagine. And Sam Hauser is in a few of these lineups, at least the offense. The point is the offense with Sam Hauser on the floor is elite because dude doesn't miss as yeah, he's a free safety. He's like Rob, except from three. If you get him the ball and he's yeah. remotely open, it should go in. And and they all believe in him too. That's a big part of it. You always hear people talk about, Oh wow. Like Hauser's the best guy I've ever seen shoot an open gym. If you're playing with that guy, you're not afraid to give the ball to him. It makes it easier, easier on you as the star, as the driver, to give it up when the defense collapses and mm-hmm. it makes it hotter on the defense. Cause now they know they're like, this guy's shooting 53, 54% from three. You can't leave him. And, and he's starting to take advantage of that. He had a drive against the Pistons where he made a floater. He had a cut where he made a layup. Like they were finding him and he's not just scoring from the three point line. He's really starting to adjust. That's one of the great things about Grant Williams so far this year that he's started to drive the closeout. If Hauser can master that, We've seen he's got it in his game a little bit. He can be really dangerous, and he can be someone that gets paid. Yeah, for sure, and I think he will get paid. And circling back quickly to Grant Williams, um, the defensive versatility he brings to the starting lineup. I'm going to read you the top 10 players he's defended this year in terms of how long he's guarded them, like how many minutes he's guarded that player on the court. Jared Allen is number one. Jimmy Butler, Wendell Carter, John Morant, Paolo Bancaro, Joel Embiid, Cade Cunningham, Zach Levine, Brandon Clark, Kevin Love. You're talking about All-NBA point guard John Morant, uh, MVP candidate Joel Embiid, all-star wing Jimmy Butler, all-star big man Jared Allen, you know, young up-and-coming point guard Cade Cunningham, all-star Zach Levine. Like, he is literally guarding 
every single position um, and doing a bang up job of it too. Like the only guy who's really dominated him is Jimmy Butler who shot four for five and whatever Celtics won that game. Anyways, like every, everything else has been either holding them to a very small amount of shots or, or having them shoot one of three, one of four from the floor when he guards them. So great Williams has done a great job on, on defense. It's not hard to see why Missoula wants him in the starting lineup because of that. That's what he brings in. If I had to guess, I'll probably go with that against the nuggets too, because they do run a little bit bigger with Michael Porter jr. Uh, and Aaron Gordon alongside Jokic, but um, we'll see. But um, another, uh, before we wrap up the Sam Hauser talk, do you know where the Celtics got him from? A little little tit for tat, I suppose. A team on draft night picked him up and then said, never mind, and picked up somebody else. So the Celtics got him. Do you know who that team was? Oh, I don't know. I, what, it wasn't the Lakers, was it? No, it was the Miami Heat. So oh, that was my next <laughs> guess, because I saw people like talking shit about Riley. In, yeah, <laughs> in Hauser and saying they were going to get him, and then they were like, "Oh, never mind." So yeah, it makes sense. A little, a little you know, you, you can rag on the Celtics for letting the Heat get Max Struess, but hey, they stole Sam Hauser. So there you go, little little one for one. And at this point, you'd probably rather have Struess a little bit, but Sam Hauser is entering that conversation and quickly. He's up to seven point nine points per game flat, not per thirty six, not anything. Almost eight points a night uh, in fifteen minutes, which is ridiculous. <laughs> he's he's playing very well, <clears throat> but um. Another thing I did want to talk about um, was Peyton Pritchard because he got some of those minutes against the, well, actually before Pritchard, I'll talk about why we're talking about Pritchard. Malcolm Brogdon is out against the Nuggets. Uh, You'll be hearing this the morning of the Nuggets game, Um, right? Hamstring tightness. I don't think it's anything. That's a big deal. Uh, Joe Mazzulla said after he's out, yeah, he's not playing against Denver. Malcolm is out. Ooh, is that, is that out yet? Yeah. It's Celtics on Twitter. They they tweeted out the injury report. They just do it. (laughs) No, it was like an hour ago. Hitting Sam with the breaking news. He's not too happy (laughs) on the YouTube. But Missoula said that they were evaluating after the game. And yeah, they announced today he won't be playing. I can't imagine it's anything too serious because if it was, I think it'd be a little more than just tightness. Um, Not the end of the world. It sucks not to have him against a good eight and three Nuggets team. But in turn, Peyton Pritchard will probably get more minutes. He didn't look great against the Pistons. Um, but it is hard to immediately get in a rhythm when you haven't been getting much playing time anyway. Yep. So it, it, it'll be nice to have him in the rotation, but it does stink as I can see Sam wipe his face. Cause he's not happy. That's Malcolm Brogdon is out. Uh, what do you make of the whole situation? Obviously you can talk about Brogdon a little bit, but I, I don't think it's that serious. And then Pritchard as well. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I, I think you're better off having a muscle injury than any kind of bone injury. So there you go. Yeah. There, there's my answer to that. What are you going to do? It's November. You miss a game. You miss a game. It sucks because I'm going. You're and going. Not to cut you off. I'll say this, though. This is part of the reason why I think we uh, a lot of people were saying don't trade Pritchard because yeah. Malcolm Brogdon hasn't played a full season in a while. Neither is Marcus Smart. This is why you have Pritchard. So he can be that sort of handcuff. Oh, it's, uh, it's fair. It's it's very fair. It's a fair argument. I wrote about Pritchard yesterday or the day before. I don't know. It came out yesterday. And I was talking about, hey, like if you want to get rid of him, it's not a bad idea to get rid of him because it's kind of not fair to have him sitting around wasting his career away. Cause he's better than that. He's a better player than somebody that should be not playing and sitting and getting DNPs. Um, and I was like, Hey, like, look at these two options. I was like, you trade for Nas Reed. Who's not seeing as much time this year because they have Gobert and towns. I don't have to put him out there as much. And also Mo Bamba is someone that you could trade for because again, Orlando has Wendell Carter and bull bulls really kind of stepped up to where they don't need Mo Bamba. 
And you can match the salary for Bamba with Gallinari and Reed makes enough where you don't have to match. It's fine. It's the same, same money. But anyways, sending Pritchard to either of those teams gets Pritchard a chance to make himself uh, an established player again, get in a rhythm, start to get hot and really thrive. He's not getting on the Celtics. However, I did mention the reason to keep him around is injury insurance. And here you are, Brogdon out with hamstring tightness. Pritchard's going to get some run. Good for him. Happy for him. I always liked Pritchard. I always thought I still think he's a quality player. It just sucks. Like there's no there's no justifying giving him minutes over any of the guys, really, unless they're really playing bad or they're hurt. And we're gonna get to see him get some run tomorrow against Denver. It's good because he's reliable to shoot. He can create a little bit, but he's not like Brogdon where he can defend and is more consistent creating and finding guys. I felt like yesterday against the Pistons, he was very much tunnel vision, which is gonna happen when you don't ever play. Uh, I hope in a game against a better team in Denver, it's a little different. I hope it's more distribute, catch and shoot. If he's even dribbling the ball, distribute. Yeah, and I think you also have to consider he was just in garbage time at that point against Pistons. Like he, he didn't have well, to like play within a rhythm, play with a bunch of guys. Like he was mo- most most. It of was the somewhat like, close you know, when he first checked in. It was still like the game wasn't over. There was still enough time where it could be a collapse. I guess, but I don't, I don't think he was going crazy and taking all the shots and handling the ball by himself until it was pretty handedly the Celtics game to lose. Um, I, I didn't have a real problem with him. I just think he wasn't really ready or <laughs> he was just cold, I guess. Um, what, what, what else we got here? Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, obviously dropping 30 apiece against the Pistons as well. Both of them look great. Uh, we can circle back to the Grizzlies game a little bit because before that game on the pregame show, we were talking about how Jalen Brown looked a little bit like a lot of people were saying, Oh, I wonder why he looks bad. He didn't look good <laughs> against the Grizzlies. He was bad. Uh, that was, that was not a good Jalen Brown game. Um, and I think the trend you're seeing is he doesn't really pass in the first quarter. Like Jalen Brown just doesn't like his a button broke uh, or his X button. Or if you play on PS4, Jalen Brown in the first quarter does not pass the ball. It's just right. Like, am I wrong? <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And it's always the tradition or or mindset for Brown to go out there and try and get going early. Usually he's pretty good at it. First quarter, Jalen's a thing. He's in the playoffs, did it. In the finals, he did it. He did it to start the season. He's just usually really good to start games. When he struggles, definitely hurts him, hurts the team. It's tough to trust him. I mean, that was it. The, no, I think it was against Chicago. He wasn't really good either. I'm trying to no think. one was getting in Chicago, so probably. <laughs> but but Memphis was really a bad showing. You're absolutely right because he just continued to force throughout the game. That game wasn't a blowout. It was close. No. There were yeah. times he was driving, bowling through guys, getting charges called. He slapped Morant on the drive in the face, which, I mean, I slap is an overstatement, but his arm hit him. So there you mm-hmm. go. And there just wasn't the passiveness that you need when you adjust to playing poorly. It was just be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. And I understand you want to keep the mindset that you're confident that you still think your next shot's going to drop. But when you play on a team with Jason Tatum and a Marcus smart, that's playing well and Al Horford and all these other guys that are so talented, I really don't love seeing somebody, any of them. I don't care who it is. If they're having a bad night, not defer to the other guys. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, the stats back it up. The passes made per game is a stat. Jason Tatum is at 44.5. Marcus Smart's at 44. 
Al Horford at 39.9, Malcolm Brogdon at 35.7. Jalen Brown is fifth on the list um, at 34.3 a game, <clears throat> but he is also third on the list in passes received. Uh, and I bet if I looked at touches, tracking uh, t- total touches per game, Jalen Brown would probably be <laughs> pretty high on that list as well. Um, he's getting 62 touches per game, uh, which I can only imagine ranks second on the team. So to, to rank uh, second in touches at 62, which I'm pretty sure is like top 25 in the league as well, and fifth on your team in passes made, pretty good indication. <clears throat> I'm 90% sure, I don't have the stat in front of me, um, that he's attempting more shots than Jalen this season. Uh, than Jason, I mean, yep, that's true. He's uh, averaging more shots than Jason Tatum, which fine i don't have a problem with it because it's very minimal um but that just shows you jason tatum is much more comfortable uh more comfortable than jalen brown as a distributor um and i I don't know if that's gonna change or they're averaging almost exactly the same amount actually wow jason tatum is 20.1 jalen brown is 19.9 so you're getting to nitpicking there but uh I don't know. I, I think a lot of the playoffs last year, you wanted Jason, uh, Jalen Brown, excuse me, to be a better distributor, and you never really saw it, and we haven't really seen it this year either. No, he's not a better distributor, but he he definitely is a better playmaker or not playmaker. That's the wrong thing. Ball handler. He's not yes. getting stripped as much. It doesn't seem like he's turning the ball over. A lot of the times, he is getting himself to the basket and he's finishing. That Memphis game was just a bad night. Like. Mm-hmm. what are you going to do some some days he does lead the off. team in turnovers though so well that's <laughs> fine but it's not as noticeable and it's not as timely you're not no. you're not seeing him drive into five or four people and lose the ball you're not seeing him not get to his spots like it seems like he's just getting where he wants to go <laughs> the memphis game was a poor showing he bounced back really well against detroit at 30 points uh shot pretty decent like he wasn't forcing it wasn't noticeable. The Memphis game is just really the only game where I've noticed him forcing. Other people have complained about him. That's why we were talking about it before the game. But for me, I didn't notice till Monday. And I was like, oh, boy, this was real bad. And he almost cost him the game. And um, he bounced back. I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow's game against Denver. I want to see him continue to play well, take good shots, be careful with the basketball, and just get to the get to the rim. He's been so great at getting to the rim. Yeah since through the preseason it was the first thing i noticed i was like oh my gosh he's really just getting easy looks and he's really always been great at finishing tatum is kind of the opposite where he'll get to the rim but it'll just throw it off the backboard or he's been a lot better this year he has been a lot better he left yesterday and missed i did notice that i don't don't know if you caught that but i he tried to like do a, a floater with his left over some contest i forget who it was and did not did not even hit the rim (laughs) <laughs> not that it was not an easy game. shot but did not hit the rim yeah yeah and i think he's worked on i wrote about it earlier this season i i think the floater has been huge for him he's playing better through contact uh which is great and the cuts have been huge for jason tatum marcus smart finding him off the cut uh, a lot in the first quarter he, he cuts a lot in the first quarter um <clears throat> getting easy looks to start the game which is huge um something else i want to talk about this gonna be the last thing we talk about i guess i, I think the defense has really started to show up lately too <clears throat> over their last five games the celtics are one of the better defensive teams in the league they're not like <clears throat> they're not anywhere near you know the top three uh they were the number one last year obviously but uh, over the last four games the celtics are undefeated uh and they have the let's check it out 16th in the defensive rating which doesn't sound good, but considering there were 26 or something yeah. about two weeks ago, it's Step getting up, up there. 
And <laughs> that's the important part. Are they 16th um, over those four games? Or are they 16th overall now? They've climbed. No, 16th over those four games. Oh, it's no overall. <clears throat> no, it, it's not great. But overall this season, they are, I'll do a quick check for you, uh, 21st, which not good again, but it shows you that they're climbing. And I've noticed them getting better. They look more engaged on that end. Jason Tatum has been a block machine this year. Marcus Smart's locking in. Um, they, they've started to figure out the pick and roll defense. I just think the biggest issue for them still just the rebounding. They, they, they don't rebound the ball. Well, Jason Tatum finished yeah. with one rebound against the Pistons last night, which uh, again, it was overshadowed because he played a better all around game, dropped 30 points, five assists, fine, but they got killed on the offensive glass in the first half. You need Tatum and Brown yeah. hitting. I was going uh, to jump in and say the same thing. Yeah. The They're rebounding. murdered on the offensive glass. How, how are you only going to have one rebound as the star player? Who's by the way, been really solid on the glass. So far this season, how is that the game where you're not getting in on it? And it doesn't make it easy on your defense that kind of struggles when you can't finish off the possession with a rebound. I will say, I don't know how much it contributes to the rating because I really don't know how it's calculated, but I would imagine that they are having to defend more because they score so much. They play it Mm -hmm. somewhat of a pace where the other team is getting more chances to score. Yeah, sorry. I I don't know how to read that in the stats, but I can tell you that. I don't either. (laughs) <laughs> they are allowing which is why it's like i don't know anything about this they are one two three four five six seven eight nine they allow the 10th most shots per game so they allow yeah. 90.2 shots per game um <clears throat> they give up uh their offensive rebounding stats aren't actually that bad they give up 10.3 per game um which is <laughs> like 15th it's like very middle of the pack so it's not <clears throat> as bad as you might think uh, but they do give up 20 sec. They're, they're 22nd in opponent rebounds, which means they give up the eighth most. So they, they give up a lot of shots. Um, but in terms of opponent field goal percentage, <clears throat> uh, they're also middle of the pack 15th, exactly um, 46%. So it, it's very much just, they give up more shots per game than people, uh, than other teams do at least. The offense is just so high powered that they've been able to get away with it, which is good. Yeah. And, uh, the, the shot quality better. from the offense is good. The three-point percentage is good, even though I wish they took less and they worked mm. harder to get good shots. <laughs> um, we just watched a game against Detroit where it never really seemed to hurt them. Even even when they were giving up the lead, it was like sloppiness, like turnovers. It wasn't because they were chucking, which I like. Mm-hmm. I thought, specifically over these last four games, that they've been cracking down a little bit. Like obviously, Detroit didn't crack 100 yesterday. You saw Memphis yep. barely get over a hundred. Did they? Sure, correct, 100. Yeah, they got hundred twelve. They? they got one twelve, dude. They did. Yeah, it's one twelve. Well, they didn't get them when they counted. <clears throat> no, no, they didn't. But well, thank you for one twenty-eight. That would have looked yeah. like ass. But <laughs> the Celtics weren't allowing a lot of points when the game was actually being contended. It really was yes. not. I mean, through like the first half, Detroit had what forty something, maybe something 50? like that, and in. in to play uh, devil's advocate, the Detroit also just sucked. Like they were, no, bad. They, they did. They were horrible. <laughs> they were easy That's shots. what I said at the beginning of the show. I said, I didn't even take the live bet because I said, there's no way they're going <laughs> to win this game because they're horrible. I did think yeah. in the first half that they might win just because the Celtics really weren't up by that much. And Detroit was playing real bad. Like they were only up like <laughs> six and Detroit was like throwing the ball off the backboard underneath the basket. Like they weren't even, <laughs> yeah. Like they were just really bad. I was like, Oh, yes. the Celtics are going to lose this game. That's how I felt against Chicago when they really blew it in, United Center because they came out and they just had everything going 
But yeah, at the same time, I was like, well, they're still up like 90 points. Like this is the appropriate lead they should have for playing this well. And it didn't matter. Yeah, no, you're right. And if it means anything, the Celtics are giving up the 17th, um, or excuse me, they are 17th in points allowed per game, meaning they give up the 13th most uh, in the league, but they are sixth in plus minus like they're plus 4.5 per game on the season which is behind only the Cavs, Suns, Bucks, Jazz, and Raptors. Um, and that's because they score the second most points per game. Who scores the most points per game, Sam? Hit me with it. The Jazz. Yes, sir, they do. <laughs> Jazz wagon. Buried they, the they, Lakers yesterday. All right. Who doesn't go. love that? I mean, Will Hardy, Joe Mazzula, 18-6 and six on the season. How's that? Dude, the Lakers are a dumpster fire. It's fantastic. It, it is so great. They're terrible. I'll tell you what, this Twitter thing kind of sucks. Yeah, that Twitter's dying. Because some somebody made like a LeBron account and said like he's like requesting a trade. And yeah. like a bunch of people believed it. You had somebody make a Woj account today and tweet that Kyrie Adam was Schefter. released. Yeah, and yeah. like people are really believing it. Like they had like 16,000 16, likes on the Woj thing when I saw it. It's probably more now. I don't know if this is a yeah. political issue or not, but I, I, I like Twitter. It's really the only app I use for social. Please do. don't screw with it. And, and listen, if you know what you're doing and you're paying attention, you're not going to get fooled. You're not. I mean, I noticed yes. the Woj thing. Like You just look at the handle. It's not that hard. But for the average person that's going through Twitter, they might get fooled. And it's really not good. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And this is me just talking about sports. You know, if you care about all the other stuff, ooh, I mean, I don't. Good for me. Yeah, it's bad. I, I really hope it blows over eventually. I don't know. I don't know how, how much it'll blow over, but it's tough. Twitter. Tell you what, uh, I went and I bought a lottery ticket the other day because it was win? at like no, no, I did not win. <laughs> but it was at like almost two billion dollars, and I go yeah. up to the thing, and it was my mom's birthday too, so I was gonna get her a lottery ticket. I see two lottery tickets, and he said, "Can I have your ID?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right." Like, was it? <laughs> Me getting ID'd is a normal thing. Mm-hmm, but this kid yeah, at the register felt the need to explain to me why he was IDing me. He was like, well, you look kind of young. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, did you just shave or something? And I was like, in my head, I was like, no. <laughs> I've been trying to, like, grow a mustache for, like, two weeks, dude. Like, the hell? I didn't Brutal. just shave. You see this shit on my face? It's right here. I'm 24, Brutal dude. I, I, it is brutal. He had, like, a pube beard, and that's better than me. That's very tough. You know, I yeah. can't I can't grow anything, man. I tried I didn't win. The guy ridiculed me. That's tough. It's horrible. That is tough. So what do you think? You were 17? You have to be 18 to buy a lottery ticket. Right? That's what like, I'm saying, dude. I'm 24. He didn't think brutal. I was old enough for a lottery ticket. That is I mean, tough. look at this. If you're watching and see my <laughs> sweet mustache, it's there. <laughs> it is there. I I can vouch. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's all I had for today. Is there you can't else really you see it. Is there? Yeah, man. Uh, what are you gonna do? The kid at Stop and Shop ridicules you. You just you go about your day. You lose the lottery. <laughs> that's tough. Um, I think that's all I got. I don't think there's anything else I have on my sheet. I think we covered it all. No, got I think we did a good job. I stuttered through this one. I did not do a good. Not a good show for me. <laughs> I've had stuff in my throat for the past two episodes, so I apologize. I've had stuff in my topic. throat for like a year and a half. Me too. <laughs> I I have I got sick last summer. I very well could have been COVID. Never tested. Sorry. And uh, 
I, I just have had stuff in my throat ever since. It's I was sick for like two weeks. I actually had COVID. And I didn't have any lasting effects from what I tested. I knew I had COVID. This was last year. I don't know. Sam's irresponsible. There's your moral today. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I think that'll do it uh, for us. We'll have another episode probably later this weekend, potentially in between the games. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Check us out on all the socials. I'm sure Sam will cover it, though. So I'll throw it over to him. Yeah, thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, you're on YouTube. You're on How About Them Celtics Pod or Guy Boston Sports. If you are, you saw the sweet mustache there I was just talking about. But also make sure you subscribe. Leave a like, a comment. I like the comments. Landon's always there. He's a good good follower of the show, good loyal fan of Jack and I's and Tim. Um, if you want more of us, you can follow us at How About Them C's. Or if you're listening, before I get to the handles, Sam, you don't know how to do this outro. You do it every time. Uh, you can follow us on whatever streaming service you listen to us on. Leave us a nice review if you'd like. Uh, maybe a nice comment or whatever goes with the review. Uh, you can follow the socials if you can't get enough of us or you want the shorts and you don't want to watch us for an hour. Uh, how about them C's? TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, it's all there. The shorts will be there. They'll be on YouTube as well. People seem to like those. They usually do pretty well. Uh, yeah, if you good. want us individually you can follow jack at jack's MBA. he's doing all kinds of stuff tweeting a lot during the games putting out articles all across the board and if you want to follow me i do all that stuff just a lot less at sam lafrance nba that's our show for the day check tackle